Welcome to the milk bar. 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 Welcome along to episode 548 of the milk bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. Coming up on the show, we'll be talking more about the sensational 60s experience, which arrives at the Grand Theatre on the 23rd of February. This week, having a chat with Mick Smithen of The Fortunes, finding out what's going on in his world. We'll let you know about Olio, an anti-food waste app. Yes, make sure you don't waste any food over the festive period, because if you've got it and you want to give it away, it'll tell you who you can give it away to, who's in your area who might be interested. On top of that lot, we'll be having a chat with Katie Goldfinch about her work to raise environmental awareness with Do They Know It's Climate Change? Telling you all about that one and let you have a quick listen to the track involved there. And also, we'll be talking about how those of us with hearing issues can get round with some top tips as we make our way through the festive season. The serious side of that is people are feeling isolated because they don't feel able to go out. So, talking more about that one. But first of all, new research reveals that two thirds of the British people do not know where the Angel of the North is. That's unless they live close by. And nearly three quarters don't know the Little Mermaid statue is in Copenhagen. I'm not even sure whether it's Copenhagen or Copenhagen. Somebody who can tell us a bit more about this recent survey is comedian Lucy Porter, who's on the line now. Hello. Hello. I don't know if it's Copenhagen or Copenhagen. I'll say either. Wonderful, wonderful Copenhagen. I think it's Copenhagen. That'll do the job. So, I mean, it is a bit worrying. Uh, I, I'm terrible at naming capital cities, but I at least I know the Angel of the North is just outside Gateshead because I've been there. But uh, in the Midlands, we've got some great stuff uh, around about as far as landmarks go too. But when we head a little further afield, we do seem to struggle as a nation, don't we? Well, we do, yes. As you say, this uh, research done by DFDS, the award-winning ferry company, has identified some sort of some little gaps in our knowledge. So, as you said, the entrance of the Northern Gate said, right, so I know it, you know it, but I think it is, like you say, it's only because we've been there, because, you know, I'm like, oh, it's on the A1, and that's when I'm heading up to Gateshead to do a gig. Um, but three-fifths of people didn't know where Loch Ness is, and I've got to be honest, I'm with them on that. If, if you said to me, where's Loch Ness, I would get a massive, I don't know it was in Scotland, right? Yeah. But I would just point any blue bit in Scotland and go, that's it. <laughs> it's right? the big, long, you know stripey blue bit underneath the, the, the dangly bit at the top. Yeah, so sort of Inverness, Inverness kind of way. You're good. Yeah. You're good. I've been there. Yeah, I've been yeah. to Fort William, so I've been both ends of that one. But it, it does get uh, tricky when we look at Europe, because once you've, you've, you've headed out on your DFDS ferry, you've arrived somewhere, probably in France, and you're suddenly trying to work out where the Brandenburg Gate is, and it's uh, it's a few miles further north, isn't it? I love that. That quarter of people thought the Brandenburg Gate was in Paris. But there's lots of nice things to see, but the Brandenburg Gate... Is not one of those. It's in Berlin, but I did not. I did not know that. I'll be honest with you. But, but does the Brandenburg Gate me. look like the Arc de Triomphe? I think that could be the bit that's confusing them. Well, yeah, and also there's um, where is that place I was looking at? Hero Square, which is in where's that? That's in Hungary somewhere. Oh, I don't and know that, that one. Also, no, yeah, well, exactly. There's so many places. Did you know? Okay, here. Where is um, Hagia Sophia? Oh, that's that sounds Italian. Yeah, it's not though. It's in Turkey. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? And um, the Atomium, where's the Atomium? Uh, the, the, Atomium. Um, oh, the Greece? That's Belgium. Belgium. Awful <laughs> guessing from me there. I, I think part I of the problem is... I know, I'm very impressed. We're, 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 uh, we're not well enough educated because we're maybe not travelling enough and heading out by ferry is uh, not only a great way of doing it, but it's actually a lower carbon footprint than it is flying to these places as well so we can explore without feeling guilty. Well, it's lovely. 
possibly because yes exactly you've got the sort of no uh, no guilt about it and also it's just really convenient because we did it with the kids last year for the first time and it was fantastic because you know like if you're flying like you say to the kids oh do you um you know do you want to just get a few bits take some stuff with you and they come back with every cuddly toy they have ever owned <laughs> every toy and you're like oh no you know we've only got a certain weight allowance or whatever whereas if you're on the ferry the lovely thing is you just bundle them into the car with their own pillows and duvets and whatever else they want to take and then you know basically they sit on an ipad <laughs> and i mean sometimes i wasn't sure that if they'd even come out of the ipad when we'd get there but but it was quite good because you on the ferry there's loads of good stuff to do and then you know you get we got to france and then we could drive around see whatever we wanted and then you know drag them away from the ipad for a couple of hours to go around Paris or whatever and it was lovely actually and it was having that sort of freedom to explore and you're in your own car so you're not having to sort of cope with a rental car and where mm-hmm. it, we sat we did have to rent a car a while ago and we sat there it took us about an hour to work out how to start it and we were too embarrassed <laughs> to go back in and go we don't even know how to get this started so yeah it's a lovely way to explore and it's sort of yeah it's it's much more relaxing, I find. Yeah. But you, you have the choice, though, whether you do want to go by public transport as well, because you can just travel as a foot passenger too. So there's there's more than one way of doing this. I know, and also the other thing that I didn't realise is that you can, if you want to, take your dog. Ah. Which yeah, which to me is an absolute spoon because if there's two things I love, it's travelling and dogs. If you combine the two then that's my dream come true. <laughs> and uh, yeah, heading away at Christmas is yeah, a, a big thing for so many people, whether you're looking at this year, looking at next year, or, or a break in between. Uh, it is well worth checking out, the, the uh, getting over to these places, and as you say, driving around yourself, knowing what you've got, and uh, enjoying a, a bit of a break, and, and a, a sensible one, because you can, you know it's, it's only like going on a day trip up north or somewhere. Well, that's it. And actually, you can, because you can either go down south and pop over to France, or in fact, they do go from Newcastle over to Amsterdam. And Amsterdam is one of my favourite places in the entire world. Um, and if you go Newcastle to Amsterdam, you also get to, uh, you can have a cabin and everything. And basically, have a mini cruise and end up in Amsterdam on the other side. Sounds like absolutely brilliant fun. And you can go and see uh, Anne Frank's house, because that's, that's in the Netherlands, isn't it? Yeah, a lot of people didn't know that. Half of people uh, <laughs> were not sure. That, but again, it's, until you've been, you don't know. And that is well worth it. The Rijksmuseum, uh, just cycling along a canal. There's uh, all kinds of things you can do in Amsterdam. Some of them more X-rated, but uh, I, <laughs> I personally enjoy cycling and boating. <laughs> Those are your favourites that you're admitting to. We yeah. like that. And uh, yeah. obviously Christmas, is that a good time of year for you? Do you enjoy a bit of a break or do you, are you a bit more homely? No, well, I actually this year I've got uh, I've got a big long break from uh, the twentieth to the fourth or fifth of January, I think. So I'm going to make the most of it. We're going down to Cornwall, we're going up to Coventry, we're going to the Peak District. So there's going to be a lot of travelling, but uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it because lots of people are going to feed me and give me chocolate, which is my favourite thing. That works, and chocolate dogs and travelling, and then maybe heading over to Europe in the early part of the new year with DFDS. Oh yes, yes please. That's 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 definitely on the agenda. Sounds like a brilliant plan. Where can we go to find out more about both the survey? Uh, awful knowledge. Maybe don't send me to an atlas so I can work it out. Uh, but uh, where can we go to find out more and, and uh, yeah, maybe get a bit of a break away for the festive period? So dfds.com. Everything that you need can be found there. Brilliant stuff, Lucy Porter. Have a fantastic Christmas. Enjoy the chocolate, oh. and we look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thanks, my darling. Happy Christmas and a happy New Year. Lots of love. Bye bye.
23rd of February at Wolverhampton's Grand Theatre, one of the acts performing as part of the sensational 60s experience are The Fortunes. To tell me more, I'm joined now by Mick Smithen. Hello, sir. Hello, how are you doing? I'm how are you good. Doing? Yeah, I'm good. You all right? Yeah, I'm just resting up after the uh, the first part of the tour. So um, we've got it all to come later after we've uh, in the spring. But yeah, yeah, it's been really good. But a lot of miles, a lot of miles. Mm-hmm. Well, it is the 10th anniversary tour, which I dread to think how many miles you've actually done for all the acts who've been part of this. And um, you're all coming from all over the place to, to perform in this show, aren't you? And it, it must be great seeing yeah, pretty much old friends who, who've been part of the show for the last decade. Well, that, that's a good part of these tours. I mean, most of the time you're slipping up and down the motorways and you pass light ships in the night. <laughs> you know, you, you don't see each other literally for, for years at a time sometimes. And then these tours come up and you've got 22 blokes together. And it, it's really good fun, actually. It is good fun. So, musically, what, what do you find most exciting about uh, these shows? The audiences, mm-hmm. the audiences, that, that's what we're there for. But, you know, it sounds like, you know, but it, it, that's what it's all about, really. I mean, I sometimes wonder if they could put a film on up there because these, these people come for the whole atmosphere, the vibe, they make their friends. It's, it's a social occasion. It's not just the music, you know. It's, um, put it this way, we just did a thing down in, in Butlins uh, this weekend and for four days, Friday right through the, the, the Monday morning, and it was jam-packed solid with people <laughs> of a certain age, all dressed in fancy dress, you know. So it, it, the music is very important, but the audience, you know, that's what that's what it's all about. And the, the the whole way that these bands have kind of evolved over the years, because some members come, some members go, some then reappear. Uh, you've been with the uh, group since the 80s, is it? Yeah, at 37, 38 years, I think it is now. I think I think I'm right in saying I'm a, the longest serving member of the band since uh, our lead singer passed away ten, well, twelve years ago now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the the music itself is what really uh, draws people in, and it must be an absolute honour to be able to perform these songs. It is, and and, and the the best part about that is now that when I first joined the band, <clears throat> there was no um, there's no none of these fantastic keyboards that can play a full orchestra. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a guy in, in the band, Chris Chris Hutchinson, who's uh, who's got this incredible keyboard that abs- absolutely replicates the sound of the records. It's, it's uncanny, so it's it's great now playing on stage because it's, it's like I'm a third stupid orchestra behind you, you know. <laughs> and when the you know, obviously the, the changeovers have come, people have come and gone, and uh, you've been part of that. You work with some of the original lineups, so you you've actually had the baton passed on properly, haven't you? Yeah, indeed. Yeah, when Barry Pritchard passed away in the 90s, I mean, that was a big shot for everybody. But mm-hmm. um, for the lead singer, Rod Allen, I mean, he was, even his contemporaries, they all say that he was he was the voice of the 60s. And I've got to be honest, you know, I, when Rod told us how ill he was, I, I thought that was the end of it, you know. And he said, no, don't, you carry on. It, you know, as long as you keep the, the class up and the style and, the, you know, the same attitude, you'll be fine. And he, he was spot on. And, you know, Rod, when he was ill, he got Eddie Mooney in from the Dakotas mm-hmm. um, because he thought he was a great singer, and he is a great singer. And he said, but listen, don't take my choice. You go out and you rehearse. And we did about 19, 20 auditions. But we ended up with with, uh, with Eddie. Rod, Rod was right. He was the best one. <laughs> uh, yeah. But the music itself, it, it spanned yeah, more than a decade for original tracks. 
and the uh, the albums that came out of all of that there's such a, a lot of material to go for and i know you when you're yeah, performing these nights it's often very much a best of but i'm sure you guys sneak in something which is going to really mean something to the real true fans who don't just know the top level music so it could be they've come to see one of the other bands and they'll be surprised by a track by the fortunes that they hadn't realized was going to be there well, that's what we always did. I mean, right from day one, Rod Allen used to put some stuff in, and he was a great—he was a great country fan. Country, no, I wouldn't say country and western, but a country fan. And some of the biggest ballads that we ever did came from that genre. And it's the same thing. Um, we we do all the hits, of course. We do. We're only on stage for 20, 25 minutes or something, but we always took one of the massive big ballads in, you know, with all the harmonies and stuff. And uh, we used to do one from um, "Take That," believe mm-hmm. it or not. And that really went down really well with the audiences because it was a, a big power ballad, lots, lots of lots of vocals, yeah, which is what we're known for. And done in yeah, a slightly different style to they're used to hearing it. But I think most yeah, of these exactly, songs, yeah. most of these songs are sub two minutes long, aren't they? Very often, so you can get quite a few into your twenty-five minutes. Yeah, I mean, there's such a wealth of material from the Fortunes. They did about eight, eight or nine albums, and some of the tracks um, and the B sides on these records were really fantastic. I mean, I'd love to do them, but. Um, the, the, the people come, they just want to hear the hits, really. You know, we've only got a certain amount of time, so that's what we do. Well, with the rest of the uh, acts uh, on stage uh, alongside you, it's going to be an absolutely awesome uh, night. Uh, what do you think will you know, be, be be the legacy? Obviously, we're looking forward to to next year, you know, the eleventh anniversary tour. But uh, you know, what, what do you think the the audience will take away? Because uh, there'll always be some people to whom this is new music. Yeah, it is. I mean, and a lot of people have been coming for years. You find they're bringing their kids with them. It's you know, you see some young girls in the audience as well, which is always lovely to see. But we we always do a meet and greet after we've done the show, mm-hmm. and they all come up and say, "Oh, you took me right back." Or oh, that song, you know, they've all got one of those songs in their heads, and that's what they come for. You know, they, they want to be, you know, just get back to where they were, get the, the vibe, as I said, you know. Mm-hmm. And. You, uh, as I say, we've, you've, you've been part of this for more than yeah, 30 years, nearly 40 years now. And what, what is your favourite moment from, from that period, do you think? What really is that go-to that says, this is my time in the fortunes? Oh, there's many of them. I mean, we went, we've been all around the world, South Africa, the Middle East, Far East. We've been everywhere. Um, we've played in some incredible places. I mean, places like... It's, this sounds a bit bizarre, but where Hitler used to do his great big talks to the, to the masses, to the people, we actually played in that stadium, you know, mm-hmm. where he stood. Um, we've, we've worked in, in natural auditoriums, which were old quarries, and made into a theatre with a 32-piece orchestra behind us. We've done some incredible things. I've been very, very lucky, really lucky. Well, you'll bring the magic to the stage with a sensational Sixers experience, as we say. It takes place on the 23rd of February, and it's going to be such a great night. You want to get your tickets now, 01902 429212, uk. Get yourself along to what should be a fantastic evening, one night in Wolverhampton, and it'll be the first night, of, yeah, potentially, of, of you loving some of these songs even more than you do already. Uh, yeah, it's a, great, it's a great show, folks. I, w- I wouldn't miss it if I was you. It's a really, really good show. It's absolutely one to absolutely have to see. Mixed with them, thank you for joining us. No, any time, any time. Thanks for the call. I see that worried look upon 
your face You've got your troubles, I've got mine She's found somebody else to take your place You've got your troubles, I've got mine I do have lost my love today All of my dreams have flown away Now just like you I sit and wonder why You've got your troubles, I've got mine You need some sympathy, well, so do I You've got your troubles, I've got mine She used to love me, that I know And it don't seem so long ago message not only because of the state of environment but also the state of the calendar because we're approaching Christmas to tell us all about Santa and climate change she's on the line now hello oh hi Jason thank you so much for having me yeah I've created a Christmas music video to create awareness about the environmental impact of Christmas in the UK we increase our waste by 30 percent and so we've done a, a parody music video of Do They Know It's Christmas with Santa and his elves and a couple of schools and some protesters from the Extinction Rebellion activation in October to raise the alarm, to sing this wonderful song that we've rewritten, to engage some people in this important message. Now, it is an important message, we know that. And the, the bit that alarms me most is 30 years ago when we were all worried about the, uh, the hole in the ozone layer, 
we did mm-hmm. something about it. And that that news has not so much gone away, but it's certainly diminished because we're in a much better position than we were back 30 years ago. But climate change mm-hmm. really hasn't had the same level of impact on our politicians as the need to get rid of uh, CFCs has. So, I mean, it, it is concerning, isn't it, for, for everyone involved? Yeah, absolutely. And I think everyone who are, who is fighting for climate change were particularly... Um, uh, uh, just uh, um, un- disappointed with the results of the election um, because it isn't at the top of the Conservatives' list to um, tackle climate change. So now it's even more important to keep raising the alarm for people to act on an individual level and a collective level to make a difference. And Christmas is a time that is the most indulgent of any time of the rest of the year. So to talk about it now is the most important time, a Mm -hmm. time where we decide to buy unnecessary gifts, to um, have unnecessary wrapping in the home, sending cards across the world, flying to meet people when we maybe don't necessarily need to do all of those things. The most important thing is that we share time together and we um, make our love known to people. And that doesn't have to come in the form of an expensive gift that is wrapped in loads of unnecessary packaging and that has been flown over across the world. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've developed a website called climatechats.co.uk and you can go to the website. The video is hosted on the website, but there is a whole range of alternative options that don't cost the earth for you to make a difference this Christmas Mm -hmm. with the choices that you make from gifts to recipes to decorations. Yeah, and even if it comes down to something like reusing paper, uh, don't buy glossy paper. I mean, the thing that I've been trying to avoid this year as much as possible because i do have a conscience it turns out is glitter paper with glitter glue <laughs> to it is absolutely ridiculous yeah absolutely and if you look at, around your house there's probably loads of things that you could use to wrap your gifts unused maps old calendars magazines newspapers and those things are actually more interesting to look at than just some glitzy newspaper uh, wrapping paper yeah absolutely so, yeah, I mean, if you look at the facts, if you were to put all of the Christmas cards together um, that we send out to each other, if you put them alongside one another, they could stretch around the world 500 times, 500 times. And wrapping paper, we're likely to throw away 227,000 miles of wrapping paper. That's enough to wrap around the entire island of Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, and seven seven million christmas trees are thrown into landfill every year yeah if the plastic ones that's bad growing new christmas trees less bad but still has an environmental impact and the the water use on all of that this is potentially unnecessary but if you're growing a tree and letting it grow in its own natural environment rather than being farmed you're going to have a more environmentally friendly tree so you know there's there's, there's ways and means of doing things and you know why not just grow a christmas tree in your garden and have a set of outdoor (laughs) lights that are solar powered you know there's things there's lots of rental services available now so you can rent a christmas tree for the holiday season send it back they'll replant it grow it a little bit more and then the same process will have happen year year in year out so lots of ways of doing it just that bit better and i said when it comes yeah. to christmas cards I, I i have sent christmas cards this year but what i've done yeah. is mine are single-sided single single pieces of cardboard they're not folded uh-huh. on one side there is a picture on the other side i put a calendar so it lasts the whole year oh well done you so it's something useful rather than just getting binned after 12th night yeah absolutely i've done e-cards this year 
Mm-hmm. So yeah. there's, there's, there's ways and means to, to, to reduce the impact, still send the greetings, but uh, you know, don't be sending Christmas cards that aren't going to be you know, keepsakes. If it's something that you get, someone's going to keep, there's a point to it. If it's something they're not, then there isn't, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And that's the whole message of the video. At the end of the video, it says, consume consciously this Christmas. So make the choices consciously. And if you're thinking about all of the planet, all of the people behind the things that have been making those items that you're purchasing and giving this Christmas, the likelihood is you'll make a wiser choice. Mm -hmm. So make sure you enjoy it. Have a climate chat. Where can we go to find out all the information? So the website is www.climatechats.co.uk. So C-L-I-M-A-T-E chats.co.uk and you'll find Climate Chats on Instagram and Facebook. And you can watch the video, enjoy the video and you know, have the message there but still some fun and it's, I mean Christmas absolutely. is about enjoying ourselves isn't it? Yeah absolutely and that's why we made it a fun engaging video so that it may engage people who aren't already hearing this message. Well, fingers crossed yeah. it gets out to more people and we get it onto the political agenda because that's the only way it's going to happen but in the meantime Indeed. you can vote by by not buying or buying ethically go to the right places somewhere like eco wolf in wolverhampton they have an environmentally friendly message too and you know see what sort of products that they've got that can help reduce your your impact across the board not only at christmas so yeah wonderful like oh thank you jason katie goldfinch thank you for joining us thank you it's climate change We all need to be afraid It's climate change Sending us to an early grave <laughs> no. But in the world of clean energy There's enough to share the joy If we all rise up and save the
More than half of people admit they have leftover food every Christmas, with nearly three-quarters of Brits saying it's better to have too much food than not enough. And then two-thirds of people don't even feel guilty about the Christmas food they waste. To tell us more, I'm joined now by Tessa Clark, co-founder of food waste app Olio, and Peter Holbrook, CEO of Social Enterprise UK. Good afternoon to you both. Good afternoon. Right, so Christmas Day is on its way, and we probably have done the big bulk of the shopping by now, and we've got a fridge and a freezer and probably a store cupboard full of more food than we could possibly hope to eat. But we've got things like use-by dates and all of this, and this is probably a bit of a problem to us, as much of this stuff won't be consumed in time. You're absolutely correct, and... uh dates are, are, are a real problem because so many people do, don't understand the difference between a best before date and a use by date and so that can result in lots of food unfortunately being chucked away when it doesn't need to be and so a best before date for example literally means the food is optimal to eat before then but it's perfectly um, healthy and safe to eat it after then and I think another problem um, that we've got is that Many of us have lost our confidence in the kitchen in terms of kind of really using up our leftovers and experimenting and getting creative there. And then also, we're no longer connected with our local community in the way that we used to be. And so historically, we were part of an extended family. We knew our neighbours and we had people to give our spare food away to. But now, unfortunately, we don't. And that's why we have such shocking figures that are being released today by uh, One Billion Lives and an SAP, which show, for example that we're going to have 100 million Brussels sprouts chucked away this Christmas. Now, in, in many people's eyes, that's probably the best thing to do with Brussels sprouts, but don't <laughs> buy them in the first place if you don't like them. Yes, exactly. The, the key to, uh, to trying to avoid throwing away good food really is actually to try and plan, and it doesn't sound very exciting, but um, actually it's just remarkably effective is to try and make sure that you kind of you sit down, you have a little think about how many people you're having around, what meals you need to cook for, and then you go into the shops and you shop to that plan rather than that sort of last-minute frenzy, which is all too easy to do. You just chuck a lot of stuff in your trolley and sadly too much of it ends up in the bin. And now, Olio can help you uh, use this food by sharing it online. And through the app, you can find people to, who, who, who are looking for something and uh, maybe you're looking for something. It could well be that uh, you've forgotten to actually buy some food and the app would be a great place to check out for somebody who's got some spare something or other that you forgot to actually buy over Christmas. You're absolutely right. So um, the research that we've released today um, shows that so the top most wasted food at Christmas is chocolate, followed by turkey, followed by Christmas cake. And so clearly it's absolutely criminal to throw away um, those delicious foods. Yep. So why not just add them to the Olio app? So to do that, you just take a photo and add it to the app and then your neighbours can request what you've listed and then they can pop around and pick it up. Yeah, and it what could... that means is not only is the food not wasted, but you've also got to meet your neighbour and just feel more sort of connected and like you belong to your local community. Yeah, because it could be that Mrs Scroggins, three, three doors down, actually does like the coconut chocolates in the bottom of that box. Exactly. <laughs> we were just discussing earlier on, there's always sort of a certain colour quality street that a particular <laughs> family doesn't like and two doors down, that's their favourite. Yeah. So. So, Peter, I mean, as far as a social enterprise goes, obviously this is a brilliant way of sharing and yeah, re-linking our communities. Well, there are brilliant uh, entrepreneurs up and down our country in every community, uh, just like Tessa, who are finding business solutions to, to change our behaviours and find solutions to some of the biggest challenges we face. And I think it's a really, really great thing to keep in mind as we approach Christmas. 
that the behaviours that we're encouraged to uh, undertake, to overconsume, to overeat, to overbuy, actually do have an impact way beyond Christmas. And actually, we should be just keeping in mind the, the true spirit of Christmas and thinking about how our purchases, our behaviours, our choices can actually enrich other people's lives rather than just create more and more landfill waste. Yeah, and obviously food will rot down, but that's not the point. The amount of energy, water, and yeah, the, the, the transport, the time that's gone into all this, and the cash you spent on it, surely that deserves to be used. A hundred percent right, yeah. I mean, actually very little of the energy that goes into food is actually in the growing process. It's actually in the production uh, and the transportation and the distribution and then the disposal. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. The impact of waste goes way beyond just not using that item. And, and also, it's a really lovely thing to do at Christmas, which is to share. So if you do have excess products, be those gifts or indeed food, use the Olio app to really, really find uh, someone else that can make use of that product. Um, and you'll, you'll end up feeling even more Christmassy as a consequence. And Tessa, since the uh, the app started out, you must have some great stories of people who shared. And it's not you know necessarily always about someone being in desperate need, although that obviously will help. But uh, you know, it, it's, it's a great community, isn't it? It is. So just the other day, I met someone who came up to me and she said, oh, I use the Olio app and I've met my best friend through the Olio app. And together we have created a community garden. Um, and we're now sort of using that garden. We're sharing... Uh, what we're producing back on the app again. And that, for me, was just an amazing example of relationships that are being built and communities being strengthened all over the country thanks to just a bit of mobile technology that just reconnects us with our neighbours once again. And people are sharing this stuff and they are not charging for the food, are they? No, so everything that's added to the app is available for free. And I should say uh, it's used not only for food but also for non-food. So, again, each year approximately £42 million worth of Christmas gifts end up straight in landfill, which is just awful. And in particular, when there is someone who would probably love to have those bath bombs that you don't want <laughs> or that toiletry set or that scarf or mug, I don't know what. Um, so we definitely just encourage people to to share rather than throw away the stuff they don't want. Absolutely. So get yourself along, sign up. What do we do? How do we find it? So um, definitely recommend that you um, search for One Billion Lives online and there you can find out more um, about sort of the problem of food waste and Olio and what we're doing to tackle it. And if you want to download the app, then you can go to Google Play, the App Store, or we've also got a web app. So all you need is internet access to be part of Olio. O-L-I-O is the spelling you're looking for. And you can actually yes. make a difference this Christmas and avoid waste, which sounds absolutely fantastic. Should be a good one. Tessa Clark, co-founder of Food Waste App Olio and Peter Holbrook, CEO of Social Enterprise UK. Thank you both for joining us and have a brilliant Christmas. Thank you, you too. Send me the sweet heart for Christmas. Yes,
Research has revealed that two in five Brits are actively avoiding social occasions this Christmas because of their hearing problems. Over a third feel left out in a group because they can't hear. Med L has come up with tips and tricks for Brits to be a little more sensitive this Christmas so everyone can be a little more accommodating towards their loved ones. To tell us more, I'm joined now by Senior Clinical Specialist at Med L, Ben Meredith. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. So tell me a, a bit more about the survey to begin with, because it sounds like a lot of people have been troubled. I, I, I know that if I take my glasses off, I very often can't hear what somebody's saying. Yeah, so the, the survey's um, certainly been quite interesting. So this is research commissioned by Medell, um, looking at different age groups. And certainly every age group seems to be having, a, having had a big impact of hearing loss on their socialising over Christmas. And... It makes it difficult because you're in the sort of situation whereby there's a lot of background noise and that can sometimes make it difficult to pick out the important bits of conversation you're trying to have. Yeah, certainly. I mean, background noise is a re- real difficulty. Even if you have perfect hearing, there's differences in how well people can hear in background noise. So some people can hear quite well. Some people really struggle even with normal hearing. And then I think if you have any hearing loss, even if it's a mild hearing loss, that can make things so much dif- more difficult for you in background noise. And it does come to us with age. I mean, I've had my hearing test in the past because I felt it wasn't as good as it used to be. And they told me I'm getting older, so to expect that. Uh, but there's, there's things that we can do to alleviate it. And if maybe we notice somebody asking us to repeat things a few times, then actually there might be things we can do to help without having to cause embarrassment. Yeah, certainly. I think, I think the really the kind of key message is, is try to be patient with people who have a hearing loss. I mean, the worst thing you can do is get frustrated and shout at them and shout in their ear because that just isn't really helpful. I think if you are if you speak in a nice, clear voice, if you, you speak face-to-face to them so they can see your lips, even if they're not actively lip-reading, they just seeing your mouth can help them to understand you. I think if you can reduce the background noise, that's always really helpful because that, that gets rid of competing signals. And if you if you are concerned, if somebody is concerned about their hearing, I definitely recommend kind of seeking a, a hearing test. So going to the GP and asking for a referral for a hearing test. And then you can get a clear idea of how well you're hearing, get the possible 
solutions to help you with your hearing loss. Um, there is there is a hearing screening tool on our website, Medell.com, as well, if, if people are interested. So they can check out and look at that online. But there is a serious problem here with isolation. Uh, and I know that you've got a few case studies you've been looking at. And uh, it is really difficult for someone to you know, feel included. And it can then go on to cause some, some quite serious mental health issues stemming off the back yeah. of, a, of a physical problem. Yeah, certainly. I think, I think hearing loss is something that people don't really realize is so so linked to socializing and to be able to have that social contact i mean particularly over christmas where you're doing a lot of kind of social occasions with the family with friends office parties dinners round the table all chatting lots of group situations lots of noisy situations and if you're not able to hear you're not able to participate so it can be very isolating and we do find from the survey that just lots of people are just avoiding these situations because they can't cope with them. Mm-hmm. But there are many solutions these days, not only the tips to make it easier, but also, as you've mentioned, getting to seek some sort of uh, attention from uh, your doctor, uh, maybe going into a hearing clinic and yeah, saying, look, I think there might be something wrong. What could you do to assist? Hearing aids are not big, bulky things as they have been in the past. And there are even implants that people have these days. Yeah, so certainly. So so I work for Medell, which is a hearing implant company. So we do a variety of implants, which can be useful for specific people with specific types of hearing losses. But hearing aids have come a long way. The NHS has some fantastic hearing aids, some very discreet, very small hearing aids. So things are, are rapidly progressing in the hearing aid world as well. Certainly it's not something to be scared of talking about. And... Yeah, it, it's a. There is no embarrassment to be had in this, and these things are much more discreet. So you know, it's it's not going to be uh, of any cause of concern, and we don't get the sort of howling round that maybe we did twenty, thirty years ago when people's hearing aids go a bit crazy. Yeah, I mean, I mean, certainly things things are getting better with a view to hearing aids. The technology is improving. I think there's still a little bit of a stigma around people wearing hearing aids glasses are much more socially acceptable but it's something that's getting better and hearing aids themselves are getting more visually appealing as well and when you're looking at the implants i mean what sort of level of hearing loss are you assisting with there so we've got a few different implants um Medell was um originally a, com- a company that developed the first multi-channel cochlear implant in austria back in the 70s and cochlear implants are really designed for people with profound hearing losses so they, they struggle to hear anything without their hearing um, aids on um, this can be children that were uh, born deaf or adults that have lost their hearing later in life as well. So it's, again, something to talk about and not be uh, afraid of finding out what the solutions are because these things, I take it, the implant will just you know, fit under the skin and uh, with the assistance of uh, maybe just an extra box that you carry with you, it can transform people's lives. Yeah, so it, the implant's two parts. It's part underneath the skin behind your ear and part you wear over your ear, a bit like a hearing aid. But as any type of device like this, it is down to personal choice. So as long as you know what options are available to the, to you, you can make the best choice uh, with all the information available. And it's certainly something that's worth exploring. It can open up a whole world and avoid those feelings of isolation. So it's something that's, uh, yeah, if you're having a problem, if it's something that's developing, certainly talk about it. Where can people go to find out more about MedL? So we've got the website medell.com so you can find more about uh, the company itself, what, what hearing implants we provide, a little bit more about hearing loss. There is also the Hear Peers uh, Mentor website, which is a, a group of mentors, people with hearing impairment um, that can do have forums on, on problems with hearing loss, how they found different experiences, different social situations and things that have helped them as well. 
So there's lots uh, of information that is out there. Uh, much of this can be found online, as you say, medel.com. Med you're looking for if you want to check out uh, the company that Ben works for. And maybe make Christmas the start of uh, a change in direction and take away some isolation feelings as we head into 2020. Yeah. Well, Ben Meredith, Senior Clinical Specialist at Medel, thank you for joining us. Thank you. That's a lot for this week. Thank you so much for joining us back with the end of year quiz next week. I'll see you then. Ta-ra for now. Goodbye from the milk bar. 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 Yeah. Goodbye from the milk bar. Yeah.